Escape Clauses offers and you on today's episode. You are listening to the Champion Hustle Podcast. Play to succeed in business and in life. Featuring Levi Hunsaker and Ryan Black. Hello and welcome to the Champion Hustle Podcast. This is episode number 42. My name is Ryan Black. And my name is Levi Hunsaker. Good How's it going today, Ryan? Doing well. Good to be back with you again. I'm excited. I'm always excited when we do this. What are you, what are you excited about? Excited that we're going to be talking about real estate again. Yes. Because we don't talk about it every week. It's our it's real estate from, episode. I know. I love our real estate episodes because this is what we eat, live, breathe, drink, sleep. It's real estate. So, I, yeah, I love, love, uh, love talking about real estate. But before we do that, let's remind our listeners about our upcoming... Uh, I just had a brain fart. <laughs> Event? Summit? Event. Yes, Summit. <laughs> Wow, somebody needs to uh, eat breakfast. The upcon- our upcoming Make Profits Again Summit, and uh, I know we've talked about it over the past few episodes. If you haven't signed up yet, why haven't you signed up? <laughs> it's totally free, <laughs> and it's just going to be a ton of incredible value from six, seven, and eight-figure income earners who not only weathered the storm of the pandemic, but continued to excel and grow during that time. And it's an awesome four-day event, tons of value. Our gift to you, absolutely free. Simply go to championhustle.com forward slash summit for more details and get signed up to get your tickets. So it's going to be good. And and we're going to be right there alongside you learning all this amazing content as well. Yep. Taking copious notes and learning because it's mental capital, right? Good information to help us all grow our businesses in 2021. Yep. So today, we're talking about escape clauses, offers, and you. Um, It's interesting, right, when we're looking at at real estate investing, one of the most easiest yet important little tidbits of knowledge to have kind of in our, our arsenal or our tool belt is how to effectively get out of a deal that is no longer a good deal for us. And why, why do you think that's, why is that so important? Well, before we jump into that, let me ask this question. So pause for a minute and think about why have you not written an offer on your first deal? Or why have you not written an offer on your next deal? What's holding you back from actually making that step? Is it the fear of what might happen? Is it the uncertainty of not knowing whether it's a good deal? Is it, what is it? Is, it could be any number of things, but sit and think to yourself, what is holding you back from moving forward into writing an offer on buying your next property? Okay. So that that's really the undertone of what we want to talk about today because this is why the escape clauses are so important. You can minimize the impact and the fear by knowing how to get out of a deal that is not quite right for you. That doesn't mean it's a bad deal. It just may not be quite right for you. And that, Okay, I'm glad that you brought that up because I, I just like dove into the deep end. <laughs> <laughs> Ignored all of the signs, warning sharks, infested waters, right? Yeah, it's that's that's a really good point, Levi. Because I know from when I was first getting started. Nowadays, it's different, right? But that's called experience. But absolutely, when I was first getting started, that was a huge concern. Was well, what happens if 
if I get something under contract and then I, I, I don't know, there's, I do an inspection or something else comes up and, and then I realize it's not a good deal for me. I'm going to be, I'm going to be in big trouble. I'm going to end up losing my deposit. I'm going to end up breaking the contract. There's a lot of potential issues that, um, that could happen there. So it's real. That's why they're so powerful. Yeah. And, and basically this is, this is your, let's see, do I want to say it this way? Sure. I'll say it this way. This is kind of your get out of jail free card when it's done properly. Yeah. So you're basically covering your biggest risks through your escape clauses. So if something comes up during the process of your due diligence, you have the ability to get out of the the contract. You move on, they move on. Everybody's okay. Yeah, because there are terms, right? In every, the, the real estate purchase contracts that you use vary state by state, but there's, there are terms in there regarding default. So if you don't fulfill your side of the deal and you default, there are consequences for that. It could be more than just forfeiting the earnest money deposit. And so absolutely having those escape clauses, having ways to be able to legally and ethically get out of the deal, if you so choose, is so, so valuable. Yeah, and and I guess the thing to point out is as the buyer, you have a lot more control in terms of escape clauses because you're actually the one drafting them up. And uh, if you don't know how to do it, hire a realtor to help you with it. Like you don't have to do this all by yourself. Now, we know how to write offers and do contracts and things like that because we've learned through um, education and experience on how to actually write a contract ourselves so we don't actually need a realtor to buy a property anymore. Um, But that doesn't mean that we don't use one to sell it. Exactly. Well, and and another thing to consider because we we probably have folks who are listening uh, to the show who, you know, like us, do have a lot of experience in real estate. If that's your, if you're in that position, you're thinking, uh, well, I don't use escape clauses. We get you, okay? <laughs> <laughs> there are certain instances where, yes, once you have the experience and the knowledge that you, there are situations. The most recent property that I picked up, there were no escape clauses. There was, it was. Here's the offer. We're closing in less than 24 hours. <laughs> There, there was no backing. 20, 24 hours. <laughs> yes. That's... Less than 24 hours. It was, there was no backpedaling, but please, 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 please. Do not do that. <laughs> if you are new and you're still learning and you don't, you can get yourself into a heap of trouble. That is something that only people that are more experienced should even broach. So, so I just want to throw that caveat in for the more so experienced So was that folks. enough pleases for you out there? Remember... <laughs> Should we do it again? <laughs> please, please. I, so, I, we just don't want you guys to get yourselves into trouble. Yeah, I mean, it's it's once you have some experience, you can start to make your own decisions. Yeah. Like this particular case, Ryan decided that, uh, you know, he was buying the property regardless of what happened and they were going to close in 24 hours. Yeah. So it doesn't make any sense for him to put a bunch of escape clauses because there's not even any time to exercise them anyway. Right. So anyway, um, what let's let's talk about it. What are some examples of escape clauses that we can use to help um, hedge our risk in writing offers? So so this all comes down to the ready, fire, aim principle. Mm-hmm. And 
basically you look at a property, you decide, hey, this this might be a good deal, might being the, the keyword there. Um, you don't you don't know for sure. You may not have even seen it. Do you have the guts to write an offer sight unseen for a property? Absolutely. Have you have you done it, Ryan? Oh yeah, tons. I've of times. done it. Yeah. So knowing how to do that, what escape clauses can help you minimize that risk so that you can be like, okay, I think this might be a good deal. Get it under contract as fast as you can so that you can do the due diligence and make sure that the numbers work because that's your opportunity to continue to negotiate if there's things that weren't obvious with the property to begin with. Yeah. Not only have I made offers on property sight unseen, I've purchased properties sight unseen. (laughs) (laughs) That's a conversation for another day. But um, yeah, so there's basically with the escape clauses that you're talking about, they typically, they will be subject to something. So in the, you know, in the legalese, in the contract, it will say, you know, uh, know, this purchase is uh, subject to X, Y, Z. So, um, you know, a good one would be like an appraisal. So, you know, purchase of the property is subject to a favorable appraisal on the, on the value. Because if we're offering 400000 and the property is only worth, two, you know, appraises at 200000 obviously that um, could be an issue. And maybe we don't want to get the property. An appraisal condition or escape clause is not as common with what we do on the shorter term side, if we're talking about maybe acquiring, uh, you know, a commercial property or something that's more of like a long-term hold, yes, where we're getting a traditional financing in place, then it would apply. But for like flipping and stuff like that, appraisals never come in because we buy cash anyways. But so on certain types of transactions, subject to appraisal can be a uh, an awesome, very valuable because if the bank won't appraise it and you have to come up at the value that you're going for and you have to come out of pocket with a difference might be an issue might not either way that's a great uh, a great one to to stick in there yeah and i mean that one's maybe more ones that we would use on like a long-term hold yeah um maybe you're gonna buy it at retail value just because the rent in that area is fantastic and it it cash flows amazingly Mm mm-hmm so there's there's even ways to make money even buying retail. Now it's always better if you can get a discount because hey, then you you got a fantastic deal. But even buying retail, this might be somewhere where you're going to want to be subject to an appraisal. Um another one that is that you might want to be subject to a partner approval. So maybe you have yeah. business partners and you're each going out doing work and and trying to put deals together, but you want to make sure that you're talking with your business partner and you know, make sure that everybody's agreed that you're moving forward on the deals. So a lot of that just depends on your arrangements. Um, maybe you don't have a business partner. You you might say, hey, it's subject to my attorney's approval, things like that. But as we're talking about these escape clauses, be cautious because you don't want to just like shotgun them all out there um, <laughs> and just see what sticks. Yeah. You, you want to be selective to cover things like maybe you're buying a property inside of your self-directed IRA. Mm -hmm. You might want your attorney or the, uh, the custodian of your self-directed IRA to have to approve the transaction, things like that. So those are legitimate cases, but if you don't have an attorney that's going to review your deal and you just put that in there, what happens when they call you on it? Yeah. 
then you got to go scramble to find an attorney that's going to tell to say no on a deal that you don't want to do like that yeah. you don't want to be in that position and that's and you bring up a really good point in in the, the shotgunning you don't want to shotgun it because put yourself in the seller's position right if you were the seller and you get an offer you're like okay the dollar amount is there the terms are there but they have you know seven different subject <laughs> to this subject 50 to that. escape clauses <laughs> yeah that's like, not a strong offer yeah is this guy really serious right like, and, and trust me, I'll, I'll tell you straight up, I've done this before. So I'm speaking from experience. Like a, a realtor I was working with actually laughed at me. So just as a new investor, just be selective, be choosy in how you use your escape clauses because it's all about minimizing risk. Yeah. So if there's not really any risk of you not buying a property, why does anybody need to approve it? Yeah. Like, why did Levi give me an offer? This guy named Levi Hunsaker gave me an offer on my property, subject to a full moon, subject to Taco <laughs> Tuesday, subject to. Like, I mean, what, what technically, if... you could put any of that garbage in a contract. Yeah. Like literally, it you just write it in, and it's in the contract. But doesn't make sense. That's what subject, you've got to figure out. Subject to a successful exorcism of the house, like <laughs> you literally could put anything in. What are some other ones? Um, probably my uh, my most common go-to one that, and I know for you too, Levi, that, that we use is subject to a favorable inspection. Subject to, because that's so broad and um, you know so kind of overarching. And it's pretty standard. It is very standard because in an inspection, you could find anything, right? It'd say, you know what? The roof is damaged or they're settling or there's some mold inside or there's you know, some type of environmental factor. Maybe there's asbestos or, or, or mold or meth or uh, you know, radon or wh- whatever it is. There's, there's all these different things. But if you keep it kind of, at least, I mean, this works, this works wonderfully here in Utah where we live. You, you, know, it, you do the inspection and um, you know what? There's things in there that, that I didn't like that I found and that changes my numbers on the deal. And so either we renegotiate the purchase price or I'm gone. And you absolutely can do that because you found out new information that now changes your numbers and makes a difference. Yeah. And I mean, that that's the Utah law. Check your local uh, laws surrounding that, mm-hmm. um, what clauses are allowed and, and that. But a lot of times with with escape clauses, you have the flexibility to write them any way you choose. And as long as both parties signed and are in agreement, it doesn't really matter what it says. Yeah. One, one escape clause that I don't like to receive. And frankly, uh, I know you've been in this position as well. When I'm selling a property and an offer comes in from a potential buyer that includes this escape clause, I will almost unequivocally ignore, reject their offer. Do you know which one I'm talking about? Mm. So I'm the seller and the buyer comes in and they include Subject this. to selling my other house? Exactly. Because <laughs> that, there's, no. there's no guarantees, right? So yeah. they're basically just saying, well, if my other house doesn't sell, then I'm not going to buy this. Yeah. That's, that puts all the risk on me. I can't control what's going on 
with your other sale of your property. And if if your if the buyer for your first house falls through because of financing or whatever, who knows? Or because the per- they have the same clause, right? It creates a domino <laughs> effect of failures. So, um, there was yeah. I mean that one. Yeah. That one when you're doing a flip, and every day is costing you more and more money. Yeah. That's that's not one that you want to gamble with unless they have like a large down payment or large. Um, earnest money deposit, mm-hmm. then you still have some flexibility to say, okay, well, maybe they're really serious, but you still, I mean, you're, you're, you're gambling, you're taking a risk on that because somebody else might come along and be able to just close because it's their first purchase. Right. And, and I don't want to get too far into the weeds, but there was, a, there was a situation where we did accept an offer on one property that had that contingency, but with caveats. So they put it in, but our counter back to them was basically, um, we will accept, uh, we we will accept your offer subject to the sale of your other property. But there was a basically a countdown timer, and there was also another one that's, uh, you know, it was limited to I can't remember two weeks or three weeks or whatever, and then that would uh, would expire. That, that right that, that that escape clause would expire and then the other thing was if we how was it if we we were still eligible to receive backup offers so we changed the status to, to backup so people continued submitting offers and if we accepted a backup offer within that time period they had 24 hours to remove that condition otherwise their rep C would be canceled so basically, it forced them to hurry. That gave us the control. It was really, it, 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 was, it's, it was kind of a, hopefully it's not too confusing for our listeners, but it was a way where we were able to accept their condition and then turn around. And then a couple of days later, we accepted a backup offer and then they turned around and removed the condition. So we were able to force them to remove that condition. Otherwise, their, their contract would have been automatically canceled within yeah, 24 so- hours. So that's a, a good point. I guess I said the, the buyer's in a lot of control. And, and in most cases for like uh, non-investors, that's probably <laughs> true. <laughs> yes. Um, but as an investor, as a seller, you also have the ability to negotiate these uh, ex- expirations and, and ways to cancel certain clauses to work in your favor as well. Right. So it's all about learning what they are, how to do them, and how to negotiate so that you can actually make these work in your favor. Yeah. Well, and yeah, so that's, that's, that's more big league stuff. Like <laughs> most, when you have really good attorneys and really good agents on your team, they're able to come up with these crazy things. That You mean totally you don't do this all by yourself? Nope. Secrets out secrets out i have other people this is more than than a one person show yep build a good team so that you can move forward faster and leverage their abilities right any other escape clauses um so so you kind of talked about some of the like residential environmental type tests with like meth Uh mold radon uh lead that kind of stuff but what if you're buying a commercial property now this there, there might actually be legitimate environmental tests 
maybe this was a laundromat and and yeah. you have some like ground soil seepage of of chemicals or even a gas station other things like that mm-hmm. um you know you actually might have to do real environmental tests yeah i was actually talking last night with uh one of my investor buddies and uh we're doing some a project with him of some new new construction some new uh, developments so building out a couple of neighborhoods and uh, right now on one of the projects, he's waiting for the soils test mm-hmm. to uh, the water table, the water table soils test, because otherwise the city won't approve that the, the houses, there's uh, eight single family homes that are going to be built in that neighborhood. They won't approve the plans for basements. And so that is, uh, you know, in this situation, the, the project, even if the houses can't have basements, there's still a killer profit in the deal. But it may be, right? <laughs> but you may have better. a situation where, hey, if you can't do basements because of the water table, the deal falls apart. And so that would be a perfect example of, hey, this, you know, we'll, we'll buy this plot of land subject to a favorable, uh, you know, soils inspection showing that we will be able to get uh, our plans approved by the city for basements. Yeah. And uh, I guess I guess one more, you know, you talked about that you're you're doing land development, building Mm -hmm. a a couple of creating a couple of subdivisions. Yeah. Um, That land might have been zoned for a different type of use in the past. Exactly. And and maybe what you're looking at is trying to adjust the type of use of a property because in its current form, it may not be profitable. But if you can change it to something like, um, for example, maybe you have agricultural land that if you can change the zoning, you can actually parcel it out and build a bunch of single family homes like you're talking about doing. Or you might be able to change it from commercial use to a residential multifamily use, or even going from residential multifamily to commercial use, just depending on the area. And you might be able to find a way to turn a profit by changing the use of a property. But if the city won't approve it, you don't want to buy the property. Yep. And we had one that we were looking at, uh, it was about a year ago. And that exactly what you're describing is what we were trying to do. It was this little commercial building. It had like six units, like six little offices, really crappy old, right in the middle. um, It's in Provo. Right in the middle of all of these like three, four story high apartment complexes. But that, that parcel was, was zoned as commercial and it's useless. The money is demoing that building and building another apartment complex on the land. And the offer that we put was subject to a rezoning and we couldn't get those, we couldn't get it rezoned. So we were out because as a commercial building in that area, there was no money to be made. But if it were converted to, you know, high residential, multifamily residential, there was a ton of money to be made. So yeah. And these, and I mean, these it was, are real. These, these escape classes work. <laughs> yes, they do. Saves, saves your bacon from uh, making a poor purchase. Yes. Um, okay. So thoughts. Um, I don't know. I think we've covered a lot of escape clauses. I mean, there's, there's obviously more. Um, we kind of talked about how many should you use um, enough to hedge your risk, 
but few enough to get your buyer to, or your seller to accept. <laughs> I mean, there, there's no real answer here other than uh, than that. Yeah, yeah. To to get, and and as we you know as we mentioned, you know the downside to using too many of them is you can turn off your right, turn off the the seller. So there's there is a balance. You got to get enough to where, in many cases, I'll usually just use the one right subject to inspection unless it's a special situation um and but as we mentioned at the beginning especially as a newer investor really make sure that you do your due diligence and that you look before you leap that you know what it is that you're getting into and escape clauses allow you to not only gracefully exit the contract to do it legally to not be in default and also to be able to receive back when done correctly, make sure that you've written or your attorney or your agent has written everything correctly, receive back your earnest money deposit with no strings attached. Yep. And and that's ultimately what you're looking for is to protect your investment of that earnest money deposit as well, because a lot of times we use other people's money, even for earnest money deposits. Yeah. And uh, you want to make sure they get their money back too, so that you're protecting your relationships and and people that are choosing to invest with you. Um, so yeah, I mean, that, that's some of the downsides. Um, we hope that you've had some some good tips and, and tricks in terms of escape clauses, knowing when to use them, how to use them, why you use them. Um, if, you, if you need help, reach out to us. Just yeah. head over to championhustle.com. You can send us a message there and uh, we can definitely assist you in that area. Um, so yeah, just make sure that uh, you're getting out there. Don't let the fear of writing an offer hold you back. No. Use your escape clauses. Get that offer out there. When you get one accept, accepted, send us a message and we'll celebrate with you. Yeah. So uh, yeah, with that, we're going to talk about... Um, I'm Next having week. a brain fart. Yeah. It's all good. <laughs> Hey, I started off the episode with brain farts and you're finishing it. So I'm glad that we're bookending today's episode with brain farts. Next week, we have another, next week, I'm super stoked, we have another guest episode. So we're going to have a special guest on. This is a, a, a business mentor for both of us that, that has yeah. been a game. We, we've this both coached with him. Game changing. Uh, I mean, revolutionized our businesses in working with this man. He is incredible. And he's going to talk about overcoming adversity because boy, does this guy know adversity and <laughs> has he overcome it? He's going to share with us some of his secrets on how he did it so that you guys and us, we can all do the same. So we look and, forward to having him. And man, us. you're going to love his story. <laughs> he is a character. So make sure that you plug into that next week. Same time, same place. And we will see you then. We hope you guys have a phenomenal week. Remember, make profits again summit. Championhustle.com forward slash summit. Get yourself signed up. And until then, have a great week. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Champion Hustle podcast. For more great content and to join our online community, visit us at championhustle.com. Mm-hmm.